Hi, everyone, and welcome to What Would My Shrink Say, a podcast where you get inside the heads of a couple psychologists and see life through their eyes. You'll never be the same. Todd. Yes, sir. I would like to talk about loneliness today. Loneliness? Mm-hmm. Just in, are, are you lonely, or what are we talking about here? No, I'm actually a... a perhaps surprisingly non-lonely person, um, which is kind of, in a way, what I want to talk about. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I just want to talk about me for the next 25 or 30 minutes. Yeah. That's I, okay. I, I, Not really. Um, I want to talk about loneliness in the context of uh, mental health and okay. our experiences with it in therapy. Okay. Um, so in particular, I am starting to realize more and more that I think loneliness, or, or maybe more specifically, the... Uh, the desire to avoid loneliness is a bigger motivator in people's lives, a bigger kind of, um, yeah, force kind of influencing people's behavior and thinking than I ever imagined. So that you feel like loneliness creates some kind of anxiety that people want to avoid feeling. Yeah. Or maybe just the, the, if, if we want to consider loneliness an emotion, just the, the, the feeling of being lonely, I think, is a state. And maybe this sounds obvious, but people don't want to feel lonely. Sure, right? sure. It, it would be, yeah, probably an aversive state for most people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, but I think, speaking for myself, I, I don't often feel very lonely. And I, I don't, I mean, I'm sure there's factors that go into that. Every, I mean, I'm sure partly it's environmental. You know, I, I have a lot of... Um, a good amount of friends and people in my life. Um, but part of it, I imagine, too, is probably just kind of temperamental and the degree to which we experience emotions is um, there's probably some natural just sort of variability in that. Mm-hmm. But I think because I don't often, for whatever reason, because I don't often feel lonely, I think that it's kind of a blind spot for me. Like, I don't notice it. I don't pick up on it maybe as much as I should. And I, I think I'm starting to realize more and more that that's just a really big factor in people's lives. Um, especially my clients, when I think about my clients, um, and that a lot of their, maybe if it's not even totally conscious to them, they're not even aware of it, but a lot of people's um, decisions and behaviors are are being pretty strongly influenced by the desire to avoid feeling lonely. So so I guess my, my first question to you would be, is that something that you see a lot in your work? And like with your clients? Definitely. A lot of my clients will talk about how lonely they feel and mm-hmm. um, maybe the limited social kind of network or opportunities they have. So, yeah, loneliness is often brought up. What what always kind of ends up happening, though, is there's a discussion about loneliness and being alone and how those are two different things. Oh. Um, because sometimes my clients will conflate those and say, because I'm alone, I must be lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, and so kind of distinguishing between those two just because you find yourself alone doesn't necessarily mean you're lonely mm. and 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 sometimes just the observation that you're alone can spur these other kind of like um perceptions that nobody wants to be with me i'm alone I, i'm therefore lonely um and so we talk a lot about the difference between those two things oh so sort of like there's a self-fulfilling prophecy in right there. right like being alone doesn't necessarily mean you're going to feel lonely but right. if that's a trigger for you to start thinking kind of ruminating on how you don't have as many friends as you right. like and people don't want to hang out with you then you actually end up start starting to feel more lonely. yeah oh, oh yeah and, and some people use you know being alone in a moment as evidence that they they're lonely you know hmm. and so just kind of teasing those apart 
and it's possible to be alone and lonely, mm-hmm. um, but you want to make sure that we're, we're That's labeling That's a good distinction. The, yeah. yeah, I like that. What about if, if we stick to loneliness itself, though? Um, I suppose there's a, there's a distinction in there, um, uh, you know, to, to kind of tease apart what we might call healthy loneliness from unhealthy lonely, loneliness. So that, that makes sense. I'll, I'll give kind of an example. I, I had a client I worked with for a long time. Um, he was a guy in his, mm, I think, early 40s. Um, and he, the, the big thing that would come up in our sessions was uh, he had a lot of stress. Um, and it was mostly as a result of his, his marriage, his relationship. Um, of course, therapy is only one-sided, and I, I'm only hearing uh, his side of the story. But it just really sound like, sounded like his wife was just really mean and cruel to him um and at times kind of manipulative certainly emotionally and verbally abusive just really really rough constantly critical like criticizing him um just very very mean and again i you know who knows uh, why that was the case but he clearly just day in day out he was experiencing that a lot of that um and he, you know, he would often play around with the idea of, um, you know, should I get divorced? Should I leave? Should I, um, you know, do something different, basically? Because this was just day in, day out, kind of being barraged by criticism and um, just so much, a lot of negativity. Um, and for a long time, I, I, it was kind of a baffling to me why he didn't at least try something different. Um, not necessarily just get divorced, but... Um, you know, maybe try separating for a while or, or just exploring different options. And what I finally, what we finally kind of stumbled onto, which he had, a, he didn't really realize very much, but we kind of stumbled onto it together, was that he was terrified of feeling alone should he do something to leave. So this, the, what to me seemed like just horrific levels of cruelty um, in his relationship somehow like amazingly that was being outweighed by his fear of potentially being really really alone and therefore lonely wow if, if he were to get out of his marriage and, and so to him feeling lonely would have been worse than yeah. tolerating right the cruelty that he was describing yeah. to you yeah. and it was kind of a wake up call for me like i would i would just i would never in a million years have thought that that was the reason why um that would be keeping him in there that would be um, allowing him to tolerate that level of kind of abuse and negativity and, and, and criticism. Um, but so it just kind of shook me up a little bit to realize like, at least for some people, loneliness is a, a major factor in their life and the, the kind of the fear of it or um, the intolerance of it when it, when it comes up is just, is really, really big. So I think, you know, we, we, you might at least hypothesize in this guy's situation, he was fearing loneliness, but it could be that that fear of loneliness was maybe a little disproportionate to what it actually would have been like. That's the thing. He didn't know how bad it would actually be. Um, And I don't actually stopped working with him. I don't, I don't know if he ever made, made a change. Um, So so really it was his perception of what loneliness would be because it wasn't like he really got, into that and to see how yeah. it was it was more like he his perception of being lonely was well and like a, with a lot of anxiety um he he had had periods in his life previously um when he was really young again in college where he had times of um, pretty extreme 
aloneness and therefore loneliness. And so he really was kind of um, gun shy, you could almost say, sure. to, to loneliness. And so he was really just terrified of the idea that if he were to, to leave or do something differently with his relationship, he would get back into one of those periods where he was just excruciatingly lonely. Well, and in this really cruel and manipulative relationship, you've got to think he felt alone too. Yeah, right. Or That's lonely. interesting. That's lonely. another distinction, yeah. like that kind of loneliness, because that is a kind of loneliness, right? Sure. Yeah. Um, Just not having, I mean, not having someone to kind of connect to emotionally mm-hmm. or whatever, and then to add on, well, I have someone in my life to connect to, but they're completely unwilling and um, actually seem to want to hurt me right. in some way. Right. Uh, wow, that must so, be brutal. Yeah, it was. I just felt so bad for the guy. Um, but there's here's another distinction to kind of um, take a more nuanced uh, approach to this term of loneliness. But the idea that loneliness and fear of loneliness are kind of different things, right? Right. That you can, and this happens a lot with all sorts of different fears and anxieties. We often say we're like I have a lot of clients who are have tremendous anxiety about getting depressed. They've been depressed in the past, and they. They're really, really, um, when I ask them to describe those moments where they're imagining feeling depressed, that the first level of description is sadness and kind of like depression related emotions. But really what, what they're, the dominant emotion is fear. Like they're afraid of, they're kind of, they're almost living that emotion out in, in anticipation of it. Like vicarious, they're, they're kind right. of, um, yeah, imaginally experiencing that emotion. Yeah. Um, but it's it, the, the dominant feeling there is fear. So I, I just think that's another important distinction is um, loneliness versus fear of being alone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, it's, and it's interesting because if you look at the experience of loneliness, it is an aversive feeling. It's not sure. pleasant to feel. Um, I like to look at like what that emotion indicates though or means about you, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're lonely. What does that mean? Um, and oftentimes it just means that you appreciate and value relationships mm-hmm. and that they're absent at this moment in your life. And that right. kind of creates some loneliness. It doesn't mean you're a loser. It doesn't mean you're stupid and that nobody likes you. It doesn't mean that you'll never find anyone again. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that you'll, doesn't mean any of those things. It just means, wow, at this particular moment when I'm, you know, uh, by myself and I don't have someone here, um, I feel sad about that. Right. And that's all. That's all it means. So it gets back to your um, dashboard theory of emotions. Yeah, all your emotions <laughs> just mean something. Yeah, and and to really identify what that what it means, um, I guess what the experience of that motion just indicates is is the important part because I think oftentimes we we just add so much into what that means. You know, being lonely means I'll never you know, find right. someone being right. lonely. It, it doesn't mean that. It just means that you're absent, that thing that you value. Yeah. 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 And, and the other part too is that the the aversive feeling that goes along with negative emotions. Um, so not only does loneliness signal to us, not only is it information that, hey, maybe, you know, we value relationships and we want, we should maybe move to to get more of them. The the feeling is, is part of the, that that's our body's way of trying to, nudge us there right right? that aversive feeling is yeah it's painful but it's there for a reason (laughs) like you you know your your finger your finger feels painful when you touch a hot stove Mm -hmm. you (laughs) you're going to move your finger a lot faster because of the pain than you would if it if you didn't feel the pain 
Right. right. And, and that's why I think imagining your emotions as that kind of dashboard indicator of internal kind of reference, you know, just mm-hmm. to be able to kind of use those tools and say, oh, I'm feeling this. What does that mean? Okay, I can do I can do that. Yeah. And, and, and let them motivate you. So my thought here is that regardless of whether you're lonely or not, that increasing your tolerance of loneliness is probably a good thing. Mm. Whether you have that problem or not, just being able to exercise that muscle to develop a good tolerance for loneliness is mm. probably healthy. Yeah. So th- this guy, for instance, my, my client, I, this speaks to your, your point here. I, I would say he had a very, in part, it's it's natural, it's understandable, but he had a very low tolerance for loneliness. Well, just the idea of it frightened him. Yeah. yeah. The fear of it, it, it itself. Yeah. Um, so as soon, you know, he would often, the thought would come up to him very, very frequently, you know, like I need to get out of this relationship. Right. But then the the loneliness or the fear of loneliness that came up after that was he was so averse to that that he instantly would start, um, he would try to appease his wife and try and smooth things over. He would kind of run away. He would, he had a little bit of a drinking problem, so he would kind of turn into that. Um, sports, he would just kind of plug into the TV and try and uh, numb that out, I guess. Right, escape it somehow. Yeah, escape it, right. Um, and so the problem with that, of course, though, is that, like you're suggesting, he... he you need a certain amount of um, tolerance of any aversive feeling in order to make a productive decision based out of it. Yeah. So if, you're, if your low fuel light is going off, if you're so terrified of your low fuel light that you just instantly pull the car over and, and you know, go rent another car, <laughs> like, that's, that's really short-circuiting the whole process. Yeah. Right? So you have to have, yeah, I mean, I get a little shot of anxiety when my, that little orange low fuel light goes off but the answer is to get to the gas station yeah it doesn't mean my car is about to blow up right right or that i'm in danger or that you need to stop no it's yeah. uncomfortable right right but it, it it what it's supposed to be doing is just moving me towards a more productive line of thinking or way of behaving right? and just indicating eh, you might want to put gas in this car yeah yeah exactly eh, you might want to well and, and i feel bad for your client because he's stuck then because if he cannot tolerate loneliness mm-hmm. he has no other option right He's stuck in that relationship. And so God bless him wherever he's at. He's he's either got to develop a tolerance for loneliness or improve that relationship mm-hmm. somehow or, or he's going to kind of be stuck. Yeah. And, and I think another little wrinkle on this is that, um, of course, we don't want to be you. Loneliness is there to motivate us to make connection. Right. So it's not like you want to just be able to feel loneliness indefinitely and never have to right, do anything right. about it. But tempora- you need enough tolerance of loneliness to be able to actually move toward what's important to you, your values, you know, what you want. Yeah, and, and even, like you're saying, even with a lot of healthy relationships around you, from time to time you just feel lonely sometimes. Sure. Yeah, and so, and, and life just kind of does that whether you're in healthy relationships or not. So my thinking is just prep for it and just keep that as part of your repertoire of like you know increasing or maintaining your your threshold for for uh, loneliness yeah and that you know i think to a lot of people that probably sounds kind of like we'll just you know just do it well like how do you do that <laughs> how do you increase <laughs> right. your tolerance for loneliness um and i think fundamentally it's it's like how we increase our tolerance for anything 
which, okay, makes sense. But I think a lot of us don't think to apply that to our emotions. So if you want to, if you uh, want to play the guitar and you pull out a guitar and you start practicing, you know, holding down notes and chords with your left hand on the fretboard, pretty soon your fingers are going to start to feel really sore. It's going to hurt. Right? Yeah, it's really going to hurt. They're going to get red. You might even get kind of like blisters, right? Yep. It's going to be rough. Well, what happens if you just decide, okay, I'm not playing the guitar anymore? Yeah. You're not going to play the, you're not going <laughs> to end up playing the guitar, right? Right. If you can't tolerate that yeah. pain. So yeah. now it doesn't mean you keep playing until your fingers are bleeding, right? But you, you got to know that continuing to, in, in some capacity, continuing to do it despite the fact that it's uncomfortable is ultimately going to lead to calluses building up and dexterity right? in your and fingers dexterity, and muscle strength, memory, yeah. stuff mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. which is going to allow you to do that really cool thing, which is play the guitar. Right. Right. But it's good. You can't do that without the discomfort of building up those calluses. Right. Yeah. There's no growth without pain. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. Exactly. Zero. Zero. So, but, but that applies emotionally too. I think oh, that's yeah. the thing that's not intuitive to a lot of people is yeah. that to grow emotionally requires discomfort and it's and discomfort sucks it's painful but that doesn't mean it's bad yeah. or that something's wrong you know the strange thing about even playing the guitar a physical activity it, it's still going to be a mental thing pushing past pain whether it's physical or emotional is is kind of a experiential conscious will to do that and, and nobody can tell you how to suffer nobody can show you that recipe mm -hmm. you've got to get in those places where you're lonely and sit there and not, you know, try to minimize it and not try right. to get rid of it. And you'll, you'll have to teach yourself and learn yourself how to experience that emotion and build that tolerance. There's nothing anybody can tell you on how to begin mm -hmm. to tolerate your emotions. You just have to get in there and do that. Well, okay. Let me, I don't, I mostly don't disagree with you. <laughs> Good double negative there. <laughs> you mostly don't. Okay. God. But I do disagree a little bit. Okay. Um, Tell me how. In that I think I think I can't I, I I'm actually pretty good at helping people learn how to tolerate their anxiety. I'm an anxiety therapist and that's what I treat mm -hmm. normally. Um in that I can't physically build up calluses or tolerance for someone's. Right. I can't literally do that. There's right. no surgery for that. Yeah. But I can actually help people design sort of a game plan for how sure, to do that. Sure, I know. I totally agree with yeah. that. I totally agree that you can provide the exercises or the context in which that will be done, but they're going to bring the emotional experience to that. Right. right. And when they get anxious in that context and within that game plan that you set out, their tolerance kicks in and they, yeah, that's something you can't do for them. And it's hard to say, here's how you're going to experience a panic attack. And here's how it's going to feel. And here's how you're going to ride that out, right? Emotionally. That's kind of a tricky thing. Yeah. But it's easier. They're going to find that a lot easier if I give them a good game plan, I think. Definitely. Definitely. So I, with this guy, my, if, if he was still my client okay. um, and I knew what I knew now, I think this is how I would approach it. If my, my game plan would be this guy needs to build up enough tolerance for loneliness or the fear of loneliness that he can consider you know, what is this loneliness really indicating to me? What do I really want? Mm -hmm. Can I make mm -hmm. a change? Will it really be as bad as I think it's going to be? Mm -hmm. For him to even consider any of that stuff, really, he needs a little bit more of a tolerance for um, loneliness. So that's the first thing. I, I would put that in perspective for him. Like, sure. I think, I'm not saying you have to be willing to be lonely un unendingly for years. Right. 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 It, a little perspective, like maybe even just a few minutes. Yeah. So, and then I would help him design 
basically some experience, some experiences, kind of experimental experiences that show him, not me telling him, but that show him, oh yeah, you know what? I can increase my tolerance yeah. even just a little bit. Right. So I, I, I might say, some, this is something I do with, um, with other situations and emotions. The next time you feel lonely, here's what I want you to do. Pull out your phone and set a timer for three minutes. And for those three minutes, I want you to open up the notes app in your phone and just start writing down what it li- what it's like to feel lonely. What the internal experience, yeah, physical experience, sure. whatever. How you feel physically, what other emotions you're kind of feeling. Describe the loneliness. Don't analyze it. Don't thoughts. Do, um, it could be some. Okay. I, initially, I tell people more. Just just tell me what it's like. You know, if you were a novelist describing a character who's lonely, how would you describe that? Okay. You know. Gotcha. Um, and and the the timer is key though. It's just three minutes. Right. Two minutes. Whatever. Um, really, really short. Sure. And one, and um, inevitably, people come back and they say, "Okay, like that wasn't fun to sit there for two minutes and describe how lonely I felt, but I did it." Sure. And then I say, "Okay, this week you're gonna do it for three minutes. Then you're gonna do it for four minutes. Then you're gonna try it for six minutes." And it usually actually doesn't take very long before people start to change a more fundamental belief, which is that, I, like. I actually can build up a tolerance for yeah, this. It yeah. isn't this like crazy, you know, uncontrollable thing. I can actually make progress. And once people believe that, that they can build up a tolerance, like everything starts to kind of unlock. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that, that's, that's, I think you and I are on agreement in agreement in terms of building up tolerance sure. for this negative emotion that that's key. And that's how I might do it initially. Right. Um, I think that's beautiful. Yeah. Kind of stair step up. That tolerance. Um, yeah, beautiful. Beautiful. So, I don't know. I, I just thought that was, this is more just like show and tell for me. <laughs> but it's something I've <laughs> learned as a therapist that loneliness, I think, is a is a bigger factor in a lot of our lives that maybe than we even recognize. But that still, like, like any other kind of emotion, sadness, anger, fear and anxiety, whatever, um, in order to be able to make good decisions as a result, you know, in the presence of the, that emotion, we need we need a certain amount of tolerance and capacity to tolerate that emotion without doing something right away yeah. to make it go away. Well, and I think the process you walked us through just there, um, it allows you to change your relationship to an emotion, mm-hmm. right? It allows you to take it from something you cannot tolerate at all to something you do have some control over and some tolerance of to something that you can master yeah. and really do quite well at. So it's right. an awesome process. Cool. Good. Hey, everyone. Nick and I really appreciate you listening to the podcast. Please rate us on iTunes if you get a chance. And if you have any feedback or comments for us, that'd be great as well. And if you have any questions or topics you'd like us to cover in the podcast, let us know in the comment section as well. Thanks. Thanks.